I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Welcome back, folks. Jay Pitts here, Resource Real Talk About Real Estate. I'm here with Gabe Pruitt. What's up, Gabe? How's it going? It's going good, man. So today's topic is going to be one that is quite controversial. Yeah, I saw that look in your eye when you came in here, so I know that you're fired up about something. Absolutely. So we're here today to talk about disruption. Okay. Disruption. And... I realize that a lot of the themes that we have covered in resource to date have kind of fallen somewhere on that spectrum, right? We've talked about service providers. We've talked about marketing companies. We've talked about marketing strategies. We've talked about reinventing. We've talked about a lot of things, right? Sure, yeah. Um, but today we're here to talk about a paradigm shift, at least an attempted paradigm shift, within the real estate industry in the world of brokerage. Okay. Okay. So we're not here to talk about, um, though there are ripple effects, we're not talking about delivering high-quality service to clients. We're talking about how real estate agents view and interact with their brokerage. Sure. Okay. So we understand that realtors, real estate agents, not brokers, but real estate agents do a lot of the heavy lifting. They deliver the client the service that they receive. They, you know, uh, field the 10 p.m. worried, frantic phone calls. They Mm -hmm. They drive out to the outside of town for the showings. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they, They are the concierge from... You know, the inception of the idea to the closing of the transaction, they are the ones that do the heavy lifting. So how they are supported, okay, is is of supreme importance. But, you know, we can't get away from the fact that the brokerage in and of itself is a necessity. Sure. It is something that is required by consumer protection type agencies, at the state level and even some federal oversight, um, they're the ones accountable. Yeah. Right? It's too hard to hold, and I don't even know what the the count is, but millions of sales professionals that are licensed to sell real estate all throughout this country, um, it's too hard to hold an individual agent accountable accountable. We, we need that extra layer. Sure. And we've talked about teams in the past and, and how within the brokerage you can create different structures. But I think what you're angling at is something a little bit different. Well, the, the fact is, is there is one person for an entire firm that is accountable. Yep. Okay. That is the broker. Yep. The principal broker, managing broker, broker of record, whatever you want to call it in, in the state that you're in, there is one person accountable to the regulatory agency for the dealings of that brokerage. Yep. Someone's got their name on the sign. Some, some, someone's got their name on the sign. Someone's got their name at the bottom of the listing contract. Somebody is the one who has to stand before the real estate commission or the authoritative body when that agent steps out of line. Okay? Yep. So 
Um, we're talking about brokerage model today and disruption of such. Okay, so I think today's argument, maybe not argument. Not yet. We digress into arguments quite a bit. <laughs> but no, um, I think today's discussion surrounds kind of a broad look at our industry. Yep. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. There, there, there are, there has been evolution mm-hmm, throughout, throughout the history of our, of our industry. Originally without interconnected computers and networks and technology, brokers served a role that limited the, the scale or scalability of our industry. Sure. Okay, they were that. That was what I like to refer as the broker centric model, mm-hmm. where the sales agent was nothing much more than an employee. You know, not really, but kind of. They operated as as an employee of the broker. The broker had access to all the listing inventory. In order to gain access to that listing inventory, you had to work for the best broker. The best broker created the best opportunities for their sales agents because they had the, the most leads. They had, had the most market share, et cetera. Yeah. So so if if I'm the you know, ABC broker, and I'm the best broker in my little bitty town, all the agents want to work for me because I got all the best listings. There you go. Yeah. Because because clients want to buy the best listings, right? So if I'm going to work with buyers, it, it was very similar, more similar, um, more similar to the model that a lot of law firms kind of prescribe to now with the junior associate to the mid-level to the managing associate to the junior partner to the partner partner to, yeah. to the partner partner or the minority partner or the name on the door partner like sure. it, it was it was a very steep hierarchy yeah okay that's that's kind of how the brokerage model worked and they wore three-piece suits and ties and everything was very formal right right and then it evolved as information became more available and agents assumed a larger and larger role there became the agent-centric model Okay, the agent-centric model, you know, is kind of marked by the creation of the MLS. Okay. okay, providing information not to consumers, but information to agents. Then the agents had everything they needed, and cooperation between brokerages allowed them to flourish. Okay. What yeah. did that lead to? Higher commission splits. Sure. Okay, because in the broker-centric model, 50-50. That's it. No negotiation. But as the individual agents become more valuable than others. Then people, visionaries, like... Dave Linegar, founder of Remax, Gary Keller, people of you know that caliber said, "Well, we can do this a different way. You know, we can take tons of market share by offering the agent a bigger piece of the pie." So they did, and they did. Okay, famously Dave Linegar wore a t-shirt at the NAR convention, right when he was catching tons of flack for raising his commission splits from from other brokers that were pr- essentially practicing price-fixing tactics right? sure. um, with their agents. I upped mine on the front. <laughs> on the back, now up yours. I love that. That's okay, so funny. <laughs> so so get, Dave was basically, you know, applauding his own, in, you know, kind of innovative nature, right? Sure. All right, and, and I know we're taking the long way around here, folks. We will get to today's topic. My point is innovation always happens. Yep. Okay, so so then we take, you know, from from the era of of Dave and Gary. Yep. Okay, uh, and, and there are others, and I, I apologize, I don't mean to leave anyone out. But then we go to the consumer centric model. Now information is provided willingly and readily to consumers through portals like Zillow. Realtor.com was probably the first one. Yep. Um, and sadly, 
NAR was originally on the forefront and now they are behind the eight ball. Yeah. But neither here nor there. Um, the consumer now has everything they need. So we moved from the broker having the keys to the castle, the to agents be. got a piece, and now the consumers have the information. Exactly. Yep. Which is great. Yep. Which is great. This now, is the natural lineage. Yeah. And, and, and obviously with that comes conversations that we've addressed in the past about, you know, will agents go out of style? Will agents no longer be necessary? Will robots sell when real robots estate? robots selling houses? Yeah, yeah. it does. It's not going to happen because it's too, there's too much of an emotional connection. There's right. too much fear. Um, there's too much risk that can't be mitigated by something other than a human being. There's too much, um, you know, empathy in the process, all that agents are necessary, right? So now what is happening in a good market, okay, where the agents still share a large, uh, amount of the responsibility, actually the majority of the responsibility, the consumers have all the information, right? The value is in the relationship with the agent, the pendulum swings and less and less power is available to the broker. And you've heard, you've heard me say, you know, if you want to get broker, <laughs> become, be, a broker. become a broker, right? Yeah. Um, and you've said me that you've heard me say that the money in real estate in the industry is in production. Yep. Okay. It's in team ownership, not brokerage ownership. Now, those of you that listen, know I own a brokerage. There's several reasons for that. I'd be happy to share with you. Probably not for this place, but, um, Less and less power to the broker. Mm-hmm. And less less and less brokerages are brick-and-mortar brokerages. You start to see, like, like the theoretical brokerage, like everybody works from home, but everybody has the same company name under their contract, like you well, said. Well, I mean, the, the trend is commercial real estate is more and more expensive. So real estate companies, while revenue in, to the broker is down, the broker is required to provide office space that is ever more expensive. Yeah. So the footprint shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. Which means less attractive splits. Less attractive splits, potentially. I mean, there's a lot of ripple effect, right? When the yeah. broker keeps a, le- a smaller share, there's a ripple effect. Okay, you can tell me that it's because agents don't want to come in the office, and but I don't really buy that. I think agents do want to come in the office. They don't necessarily need dedicated office space, but they need a place to go. Sure. And... Um, so there's some real challenges facing today's brokers and there are lots of players seeing the 25 to 30% of gross domestic product tied up in housing and understanding that the brokerage of a transaction unlocks all of the ancillary services and revenue, mm-hmm. mortgage, title, appraisal, construction, insurance. Shall I go on? Yeah. I mean, everything. Okay. So your industry disruptors, see that they see less and less power to the individual broker and they start thinking technology and scale. Okay. So today we're going to talk about, and I'm not going to name names, but we're going to talk about companies that apply technology and scale and are disrupting the brokerage industry. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what that does for our industry. Yep. And what it means going forward. What it means going forward. Now, those of you that listen to the podcast know I'm not a futurist, but I'm a realist. Okay. And I might come out on a different side of this than you, than you expect. Okay. Um, because you've heard me come out in favor of Zillow. You've heard me talk about no bad way to generate a lead. You've heard, you've heard me say adapt or die. Right. And trust me, the brokers are facing that very situation right now. Okay. Um, 
a, a, a very well-known local broker that has been in the market for 30 years just called it quits that I'm aware of. Um, and that's just in my market. That's happening. It's probably happened multiple places in this market, sure. but one that I'm very acquainted with did. So what, what I want to talk about today is how does this specific kind of, um, you know, variation on adaptation affect our market and the fragile state that it's in right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you said adaptation because, you know, these are not necessarily reinventions of the idea of the brokerage, but changing the way it works in the technological world that we're in now. You know, like you said, a lot has happened since maybe the broker-centric model. And, I mean, we've talked a lot on the podcast about how the the advent of the Internet and the interconnected nature of marketing and social media has changed a lot of stuff. But now this technology is finally finding its way around to swing a bat at the brokerage model, like you said. Absolutely. So, what Without naming names, like you said, okay. talk a little bit about some of these different models and what they look like and how they differ from the more traditional broker setup. Okay, so he, he, there, there's three that I can see. Three, three separate models with variation. Every one of them would tell you they're completely different than all of their competitors. Sure. I, I don't buy it. Okay, these are, these are variations on the same idea that was first, prop, and, and actually some would argue that it wasn't Dave Linegar's you know, model that made it, he made it. Okay. I'm sure there were others that tried. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he got the idea from somewhere, but his spin is the first one that quote air quotes made it that took hold. Right. Yeah. That went from the traditional 50, 50. Okay. I have control of everything to Dave originally offered a hundred percent zero split to the broker for in exchange for a fixed monthly fee. His idea was simply, I'm going to provide you a way to fix your expenses. You understand that if you're on a 50-50 split or any split, for that matter, the more you sell, the more you pay. True. So that's just the difference between variable and fixed cost, right? It's a business, you know, kind of just simple concept. Sure. Okay. So Dave said, well, why why have variable costs? Let's have fixed cost. I know what it costs me to run a brokerage per agent. Pay me that and we'll be done. Yep. And the more you sell, the more you keep. Sky's the limit. Sky's the limit, right? And honestly, the, sky's the limit was a big tagline that they had. I mean, they were had a balloon floating through the sky. Like that's <laughs> that, that was their thing, right? Sure. Turned out to not be a profitable way to do things. And he pivoted to 95.5 because things about the model held true mm-hmm. when Dave did it. Okay. The, the truth is, is that the broker needed skin in the game to provide the service that the agent needed. So they, it wasn't the other way around, right? It wasn't that they couldn't make it on fixed costs. They could, but they didn't have, they didn't do anything to support the agent. You know, bad brokers didn't do anything to support the agent in exchange for their fixed costs. Yeah, you're making a hundred percent. Figure it out. Here, go here. Come on, money bags. <laughs> go, go for it. Yeah. Um, so the 5% incentivized the broker to really invest in the agents. So, and that turned out to be a profitable model. Okay. And uh, believe it or not, there are still 100% agents here in Louisville that are grandfathered. Okay, yeah, grandfathered. Anyway, need, probably need, a lot of needless to say, that beget several other kind of copycats. It, it, it took you know some traditional brokerages changing their model to, to mimic Remax. This is not a lot different, Gabe. I see three disruptors, okay. three formats. There is the high-tech, okay, like... VC money startup 
that raises tons of capital to invest in huge tech with a more traditional brokerage model, which is, you know, a tiered split, some out-of-pocket expenses, but um, I'm, I'm just throwing way – I'm throwing the kitchen sink at the tech. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the one that's closest to – Okay, where we are now, and the real difference between them and companies like Remax, which I can speak to because I'm a part of, is the fact that Remax is run by real estate people. It's not run by tech people. Sure. So you have the tech company that is a brokerage under the existing, similar to the existing model. That's one. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's the least different. Sure. Then you have this other one over here that's huge tech, and that this is what they all share. Huge tech. Yeah. Okay. Flashy. Huge tech devaluing the agent themselves, okay, because of some truths that they know about our industry, which is that the majority of agents are unqualified and they're more sal they're 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 the salary model. Sure. Okay, slight incentive comp, make a little bit of the commission, ten to fifteen percent, plus a base. So the agent's a functionary, but there's money to make be made, so come make it. Come make it. Okay, but but you're you're really no different than you let know, us handle the tech. Let us you, handle the... Well, let us handle the tech. You're really no different than a loan officer at a bank. Sure. Okay, you're an employee Obviously, no firm. offense to loan officers. Not, no, that's absolutely. Not that's, a, that's just the comp model. Sure. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, of course. That's Loan officers are great. Um, and there's all sorts of different pay models for them, too. But the truth is that these companies look at the... You know, huge compliance departments, lots of attorneys. Like, like some of the legal purview of the agent is removed... And this person sells, which, I mean, there's some merit to that. You're a salesman, go sell. Yeah. Okay? And they, they extract some of that risk in exchange for salaried professionals in that arena. Okay? Yeah. And they say, go sell. And here's huge, huge tech to play with. Go sell. And, but we're not going to pay you what you could make as an agent of an independent firm. Okay? Because you're not worth that. Yeah, you're not handling the stuff that you'd normally be handling. You're not worth that. That's what they see. And truthfully, most agents aren't. Yeah, you're sacrificing your ability to create your own income and create your own income limits in exchange. for the stability and the safety net of big company handling it for you. Yeah, so so you know you know companies, and I'm going to digress for a moment, but do you know companies that are huge on college campuses with recruiting? Sure. Okay, they've identified a very narrow kind of um, avatar that they're looking for. I mean, I think several uh, car rental companies come to mind, you know, uh, paint salesmen. Like there are companies that really, they, they just want college grads. They, they, they know that they can pay them a certain thing and they can get a certain amount. They're not looking for the world's top salesmen. Right. They're not looking for standouts. No, they're looking for median players. Right. So, you know, in essence, this firm is playing into, or these firms are playing into the fact that they understand that there is a lot of unqualified agents out there and they're hiring people that would never get into real estate to begin with because of the barriers to entry and they're getting them with a salary. Right. And what I think is rather than, you know, understand the, the real personal aspects to the transaction and needing top, top tier salespeople that are capable of doing multiple things. They're really depersonalizing the transaction. And I don't think that's ever going to happen. Okay. Okay. They're taking the, a lot of the empathy out. And I'm not saying these people that are in these roles don't have empathy. Sure. They might be good people. people. I will just tell you that the reason that I am able to sell so much real estate is that I'm really good at selling real estate and all that that comes with that. And if you try to replace the legal aspects with an attorney and then you try to take the, 
you know, tech piece out with a, you know, a tech guru. And then you try to, it just doesn't work. This is a very streamlined white bread approach to Absolutely. real estate. Absolutely. And I, Automate. And I, and I don't know that they won't be profitable given market dynamics, right? And, and lots of unqualified agents out there. But it's just not the way I prefer. Okay, so that's number two. That's two. That's two. So we've got, um, for, for, um, for, for simplicity's sake, we'll call it big tech, not much change. Big tech, traditional model. Yep. Okay. Uh, big tech, salary model. Yep. Okay. And then there's the other. The other. <laughs> the other. And that's the one that's making a lot of noise right now. This yep. one is the one that's making a lot of noise because it is challenging Okay, the previous disruptors. Yep. Okay, and you're hearing people, leaders of large companies come out and seem very concerned. Now, I I appreciate their concern, and I think they should be concerned, and they probably have something to be concerned with, and that that goes to the root of the identity of their companies. Okay? And there's a reason why somebody thinks they can take a big left hook swing at the jaw of these these industry giants. Yeah, it seems like now might be the time. There is the re- there is a reason, and part of it's their fault. The onus is on them. Okay, either slow to react, like Kodak style, like let's suppress digital photo photography and let's see how that works out for us, wow. right? Like there's some of that, right? Yeah. I would like to believe that the firm that I'm a part of is not so far behind the power curve that they can't re- regroup. Okay, but certainly, you know, big is not typically nimble. Sure. Okay, so so you're hearing you're hearing some people come out against some of this stuff. And they've got real reason to, but honestly, this model is kind of the crowdsource multi-level marketing kind of approach to brokerage ownership that I think you're seeing proliferate in numerous Smaller models. Well, and that's the point. Smaller models. I mean, multi-level marketing is nothing new, but it no. definitely is having a resurgence in the current moment in small business. And so when you think about big real estate, it might not seem like multi-level marketing is something that necessarily matches up. So how does no, this really I, work? He, he, let me just say generally speaking, when it comes to multi-level marketing, okay, a few things happen. Okay? There's a few. It, look, I'm not saying it's not a bad just. You watch, you watch the Shark Tank? Oh, yeah. They ask every person that comes on there, what's your, what's your plan for distribution? That's code for how do you plan to sell your product? How do you plan to deliver it to your consumer? Right. Okay? So multi-level marketing is an effective form of distribution for a lot of products. Okay. The single largest financial decision most people ever make, a, a brick-and-mortar home with infinitely many things that can go wrong. Okay. A real estate transaction or a purchase transaction that involves lenders with almost infinite resources, several attorneys, two completely separate parties that are inherently kind of antagonistic. Okay. Being managed by two people who represent those people, mm-hmm. right, with lots of expectations, I don't think that's the time for multi-level marketing as a distribution That strategy. is a lot of moving pieces. It yeah. is a lot of moving pieces and parts. And that's our industry is troubled enough already with the amount of unqualified professionals that do what we do. Sure. Okay? So now what we want to do is we want to give all those unqualified people a very small percentage ownership 
in the one entity that holds that is held accountable to the state regulatory agency for protecting the consumer. Well, I'm glad you said something about that sliver of ownership. Maybe without going too far into detail, highlight a little bit about why any agent would be incentivized to be a part of this model anyways. Okay, so and I don't I don't think we really even said why this is multi-level marketing. What sure what what the brass tax execution of this looks like is Gabe, you're a successful agent. Sure am. You <laughs> Yes, you are. Um, you are a successful agent, and you know lots of people, and you have great relationships with other agents, and they respect you. Okay? So what we want you to do is we want you to earn ownership in our firm by recruiting other people and bringing them in. Sounds familiar. <laughs> so, and then when they pay the firm some money, and by the way, that money's not going to be a lot. So is this mainly in splits, or is it fees? Or Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Cart before the horse here. Cart before the horse. But it could be – the, the true answer to your question real quick before I go back to that is it could be – Anything. Could be, it could be anything. Sure. So the, tr- the truth is is I know that the brokerage has some expense. Okay. And, and we forgot that a lot of them are really shrinking the brick-and-mortar footprint. Yep. Okay. Less and less um, geographic location-based kind of accountability. Like you don't come to the office and see a broker and, you know, and – meet with them face to face like like that's going away. Yep. And and this is the tech side seeing scale opportunities and saying you're paying what per foot on rent for commercial space? We don't need that. Yeah, we're the virtual brokerage. We're the virtual brokerage, right? We're the cloud-based brokerage. We're the in, you know there's 10 different other buzzword terms. brokerage. Bu- bu- buzzwords. Yeah. Okay, so we're removing that layer of accountability, okay? Then we're going to take people like yourself with tons of influence and we're going to get you to bring in all your friends. Okay. But they're not accountable to you. Like they're not, they're you, not like your team. They're you not. don't, you don't manage them. They can just keep doing their thing. Oh, do they have to be in your market? And, and guess what? We're going to make it really, really enticing. We're going to, we're going to make it really, really exciting. And we're going to entice them by not, not paying very much. Cause we don't have any overhead. Right. Sure. We don't have any overhead. So then what, but what we do bring in, we're going to take and redistribute to all of the agents based on the amount of agents they bring in in their production. So, so your value really comes from your recruiting ability, not necessarily your selling ability? Hmm. Sounds kind of interesting, right? Well, I mean, I can definitely see where it's a, a beneficial model for the brokerage. But like you said, how does this scale? I mean, how, does how this... would it be beneficial for the I mean, who is the brokerage? Yep. I mean, where's the identity? Okay. So what I've seen personally witnessed, okay, is that this has the opportunity to significantly confuse the consumer because sure. the, the brokerage brand shrinks to almost nothing. The individual agent brand grows, Absolutely. which may be good for them, but they're not accountable to laws and regulations, right? And they're, they're, I don't think they're, being, they're, they're receiving guidance, like since since a specific brokerage has made a significant push into our market, I have seen no less than five to probably I'm just going to say five five advertisements completely in opposition to our laws, our our Kentucky state license law from one particular agent that was recruited by this firm. Okay, and it is extremely clear to me that this person does not understand the law. They are not prepared to be held accountable. 
It took everything I had not to report them, but I can't, I leave well enough alone, man. Sure. I, do, I, okay. I don't I don't pick fights. So they weren't maliciously, knowingly breaking the law. You think this person was? They're they're just ignorant. Ignorant to it. They're and, ignorant to the law. And they're not being enforced by and the brokerage behind and, them. And there's no one watching. There's no one paying attention. They're making outlandish claims that they can't support. It's risky. And just because they've sold a lot of houses, like they think that this is a good idea and they're going to, but see, they're also incentivized to peddle influence, but it's uninformed influence. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's a lot of opportunists in this world and, and I, I'm getting a, a little more worked up as I talk about it. And I, and I realize I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but here's, here's the main issues that I will sum up for this one model. We'll call this the multi-level model. Okay, so big tech, no change, big tech. Salary um, and devalue the agent. Salary and devalue agents, big tech and multi-level marketing, which honestly I'm not even sold on the big tech on most of them anyway. Yeah. But neither here nor there, the the multi-level approach removes accountability, removes brick and mortar, okay, which is in in essence accountability, Okay, it incentivizes people to peddle influence within the industry. And I think, and, and, and honestly, it's going to, the low cost is going to attract more and more unqualified, you know, individuals as agents that lack credibility. And all that's just going to spiral. Well, so what is the, what's the real damage that this stands to do? I mean, it sounds like mostly it's, it's a flycatcher for agents that see it as a potential to reduce their overhead costs. And maximize their own potential, but I mean, who really suffers in this? I Gabe, mean, it sounds like it's probably the consumer. Gabe, let me ask you this: people, people pay attention to my opinion, right? Sure. I mean, at least a few. You are right now okay. if you're listening, right? So. If you're listening to this episode, you you pay attention sure. a little bit. Um, you know, I have an, I have networks and I have lots of agents that I talk to, and we go to an event and I'm on stage and people listen and like people pay attention. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but people listen. Like sure. at least 25 agents in this brokerage pay attention. Yeah. Um. So I've got a little bit of influence, right? Sure. Okay. If I think something's good, there's a good chance that at least these 25 people are going to think it's good. And, yep. and if I get out there on the, on the loudspeaker, maybe even on this podcast and say, you need to look at this model, people might pay attention, right? Sure. Gives me lots of opportunity to peddle my influence. But, but at the same time, I have no burden of holding these people accountable. Mm-hmm. So I'm no longer a broker. What if I shut down this office and we made a move to the multi-level marketing? Well, I'm still going to get a cut on all those people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to seem good to them because they might pay in less. Okay, but consequently, the value to the consumer will drop. It will drop. We already have a problem with the very bottom of our market being chewed up by agents that aren't credible. They do the one to five transactions a year, right? Yep. Like, I- I'm so scared for our industry Given the state that it was already in, this seems like a very opportunistic play, okay, to grab the bottom 20% of the market, okay, and they're going to lure just enough agents away by giving them the opportunity to lower costs, just like you said, and peddle influence and earn from it. Okay, you know when multi-level marketing stops working? When people stop joining. Yep. Okay, when, when pick, pick your cosmetics, you know, brand of multi-level marketing just pick one sure and when they stop signing up sales reps everyone stops making money yep when they stop signing up new sales reps that have a new network to sell product to then the upstream that upline drives of out. revenue yep. dries up 
That's why these things have a shelf life. Well, so that leads perfectly into what I think will be the question that sums us up. I mean, it sounds like, like you said, there are going to be some agents that are drawn to this. And I think what will happen is a rift will grow between agents that are leaders with real influence that see the dangers uh, and then agents that see opportunity. What I mean, how long does this last before it fizzles out and we go back to normal? Or is next, this the new normal? Next bad market. Yeah. The next downturn. Next downturn. Wipes this out. Yep. That that's my forecast. And here's what I think. I think you have a lot of I think you have a lot of economists claiming that the economy will be relatively good for the foreseeable future. Sure. Okay, without it barring a major setback or something something crazy. Yeah. Um you know, the tax cuts are good for ten years. I mean that that significantly lengthens the cycle of good economy sure more than likely now i don't know about the consequences behind it right i mean that's that's a political debate that we're not going to get into but my point is i think you're absolutely right i think there are those who truly want to lead that care about our industry that that are a slave to value value to their agents value to their consumers value to their team members etc and then you have those that are willing to capitalize on timing influence and you know, reduce costs. Yep. Like I don't want to use this word because I know some people that have done this and I know they don't view it this way, but I'm afraid they're selling out. Okay. I could sell out. I have enough influence that I could sell out, but I wouldn't do it. Well then let me ask you this to finish up today before we get out of here. I'm the agent that's been listening for the last 30 minutes and here's where I'm at. Jay, listen, I'm an independent agent. I'm not on a team. I'm doing just fine and I don't need the Remax balloon. I don't need the Keller Williams. I don't need Berkshire Hathaway. I've got the influence right here. It's me, okay? And I see an opportunity to share less and continue to provide the service. And I hear you saying, you know, there's less accountability. I'm my own accountability. I have ethical standards. I know the rules. I study the laws. I'm going to do right by my clients, uh, but I'm going to make more money by doing this. And I know people that will follow me in. And if I can make money off of their success, I'm going to do it too. I don't see downside for this in my clients. Why should I not be a part of this? It's a great question, and I've got an, I've got a question for you in response. I know we don't typically answer questions with questions. But go but ahead. Start your own brokerage. Start your own independent agency. But your, the your cost, go- the overhead. Though. There's not. There's no more cost in overhead. What what is what is brokerage X Y Z of the multi level marketing variety offering you that offsets any cost? You're still paying them something. Sure. You're still. You're not. Re- and you, those people that you have influence over, invite them to come work for your brokerage and your model that you invented that brings huge value. Well, but what about the moment we're in, Jay? The future is in this tech, is in this virtual. The brick and mortar is going away. Why would I start a brokerage now just to watch it crumble when I'm trying? Why would to it crumble? Because of the internet, because the interconnectedness of the moment so, we're in. So this, so multi-level marketing brokerage or brokerage brand is going to deliver you enough tech to make the difference. Like there's there's no way, Gabe. There's no way, man. Like like it, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, and I appreciate. I know it's it's not you. No, but, sure. <laughs> um, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, right? Like, you know, I need I need what this big brand provides me, but I don't want this big brand. I want my own brand. Well, if you want your own brand, make your own make brand. your own brand. Yeah, and don't pay them anything because trust me, what they deliver in return is a fraction of what you could get starting your own company. Mm-hmm. Be a brand builder. 
Okay. And, and, and I don't buy this. Like if I can make it, I'm going to make it, it's going to get made with or without me. Okay. Look, I didn't start it, but it's the rules. It's the it's the it's the rules of the times. The I'm, times gonna, yeah. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the the hand I was. Di- BS. Okay. You're with the problem, or you're fixing the problem. That's it. You either you you fix it, or you are the problem. That's it. I when think what it boils down to is there's opportunity. Maybe there's short term opportunity, but if you can't see that it's short term, that's where you're gonna get stuck. Well, or they don't ride. No, no, no. On. The opportunists don't care about the timing. The opportunists don't care. They say five years. Yeah, I'll take I'll I'll take this ride for five years, and then when it's over, it's over, and I'll go back to owning my own brokerage. You see what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, they're th- these companies are targeting brokers, right? Yeah, brokers, not not just agents, bro- usually brokers and agents of huge influence, and they're, we we know the celebrity agents out there. I'm just telling you, there's there's one in every market. There's there's ten in every market probably. Sure. That's who they're after, okay? They're after the ones who have a platform that can distribute their message. So I go back to it, man. It's a sellout. It's a sellout, bro. Well, a moment many of our listeners thought would never come. The the king of disruption and contrarian nature and all of these things is saying that this one is not the one. I think it's – I think I'm – I feel contrarian with this opinion. Yeah, just, just my peers, right? The people that that I talk to, a lot of them think that this is a good idea, and I know it's because that's a that's a self serving kind of you know situation. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think it's too risky. I think our industry is too fragile. I think it's opportunistic. I I I cannot say how much this bothers me for what we do. It's going to triple down on the problems that we have. It really is, man. And, and look, it doesn't have to be a brick and mortar location, but there needs to be accountability in the leadership. Okay. And, and I know each one of these companies is going to have a principal broker who is in charge, but I think you're tying both of their arms behind their back. They're good people, right? That are trying to do the right thing that think, that now is the time and they're making their move and it's a land grab, right? They're, they're thinking that they're, you know, landing on Plymouth Rock. That's what they think, okay? Because not all these, some of these people are not great people. They are being opportunistic and they know it deep down in their heart. They won't say it, but they know it. Sure. But a lot of these people don't know it. They think it's great. They've been sold a bill of goods and I just don't like where it's going. You know, I'm all about I'm all about growing. I'm all about evolving. Um, our industry needs to evolve. There you go. Well, if you're one of our listeners, you can probably tell from this point, this is something we're going to be keeping a close eye on, and we're going to be watching to, to see how it develops and how it turns. But maybe you're someone that's listening that has heard about this and has thought about making a move. Or maybe you're someone that has a really strong opinion about some of the stuff we've said today. You know, what do you think we got wrong? What do you think we got right? We want to know. We want to hear from you, especially on something like this that has such a wide-ranging impact on the industry. So make sure to head over to resourcepodcast.net or find us on social. Send us a message. Drop a comment on this episode. We're going to leave our notes on the website. And let us know what you think because this is something that we're probably going to revisit in the future and do a little progress report on. Argue with me. If I'm wrong, tell me why. Sure. You know, I I have some 
some very passionate opinions. I realize that, but I, I look. I may act like I'm never wrong, but sometimes I get it wrong. Okay, and if there's something I'm missing here, um, I know from my personal experience, Gabe. Like, I've been contacted. Okay, and my attempts. and my experience was not great. Okay, so. I'm gonna leave it at that. If, if you want to argue with me, argue with me. I, I want to hear. I want to hear your opinions in a respectful, you know, mutually respectful way. I want to hear your opinions contrary to mine. And if you agree with me, then I think we're seeing the same things. But uh, there's no echo chamber here. I, I like dissenting opinions, and I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say. Yep. At the root of it, it's about getting this right and making sure that we're doing what's best and that we're providing you the resource that you need to know what's going on in the industry around you. So come and find us, resourcepodcast.net. We're going to be back soon. This is Resource.